I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. Today is a Sunday. It is July 18th. I had to look because I totally forgot today's date. And I do have a great show for you this week. Yeah. Well, I have a show. We'll judge after the fact. Uh, and the devil's advocate, Nine Cents Letter, should I join? Put a pin in it. In uh, The Infernal Informant, financially hobbled for life, the elite master's degrees that don't pay off. And we're going to close... Actually, no, hold on. There's another <laughs> statue of Confederate general removed from Louisiana City Hall. And then we're going to close it out with a little, bit, uh, a little bit of back and forth about book clubs in general and the benefit of reading. Good for you. Does the body good. It's better than milk. Um, funerals are the worst. So... <laughs> I had to go, I didn't have to, I chose to go and honor my, my late friend. I went to his funeral and there was a viewing and then you, you sort of sat down and, and listened to the family recount memories of what uh, the deceased meant to them and, and stuff like that. I get massive anxiety every time I start going to funerals. I can't help it. It's just, I, I don't feel like I belong there. I don't feel like I'm ever close enough with my friend to warrant my presence at their funeral, no matter how close I am to them. I just don't, I don't feel like I deserve to be there when there are so many other people who have spent so much more time with this individual, right? And then there's the dread of seeing them all done up like, like a wax figurine, you know? It's creepy. It's just, it's, it's weird. And I understand there's, there's reasons for going through that process. You get to um, have closure with what just happened. All those emotions that have been flooding your mind finally are able to be laid bare. And it's just a moment of, hopefully at the end of it, a, a bit of a catharsis actually. And so funerals I think are really important. I didn't stick around to see him put in the ground. Um, I didn't stick around for the food, but for the viewing and for the sort of communal, formal funeral aspect of it, I did stick around to it. Let me, let me say this. How many of you, let me ask this question and let me know in chat. How many of you have been to a Mormon funeral? Because that's what this one was. My friend apparently was much more Mormon than I ever thought he was, or at least his parents are portraying him that way in death. I knew he was an Eagle Scout, and then he sort of, you know, as a, as a very young man, sort of turned away from all that and started, you know, going into shenanigans and stuff. He always had a good core of who he was, at, at, you know, as his core of, of, of being. But a, a Mormon funeral is like, it's like a friend of a friend who invites you over and pitches a pyramid scheme to you. Like they're trying to get you to buy their bullshit. And I don't know if they're trying to convince me or if they're trying to convince themselves. 
but it felt like it was a pitch. Like they were just doing their best to sell me on this idea of this heavenly father who wants to hug you as soon as you die. Like that's, <laughs> it was weird. So the whole time I'm sitting here just for hours, just wildly uncomfortable looking at every single one of the other sinners in here and just wondering, is anyone going to get up and leave? And like, should we leave? Because this is supposed to be honoring the memory of our friend. And instead it's turned into a pitch meeting about why you should join the Mormon church. Not a good scene. It sucked. So yeah, I mean, not only did I feel like I, I shouldn't have been there beforehand, as I was sitting through the Mormon pitch, I felt like I shouldn't have been there for that because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> like, I'm a Satanist sitting in this chapel listening to you tell me that there is a heavenly father who loves me. Holy shit, if I could just get the mic out of his hand. <laughs> I would lay some fucking hell on these people. Ugh. But no. But no. <clears throat> ridiculous just and then yesterday night uh, i went out and uh, finally got together with some old friends um living ones which is fantastic and one thing that you know surviving those that you've connected with in life you realize how important those who are still alive mean to you um and so it was really really nice with that firmly at the forefront of my mind to go share drinks with uh, a couple of really good friends and their wives and uh, had a great time, you know. It, it was uh, it was a good time. I I think maybe I have some of the greatest friends <laughs> ever because I I don't know if they're great because they put up with me or because they understand me or because they just sort of hands off let me be. But these people, sweet hell, they just roll with the jokes. It is awesome all the most obscure filthy humor that you could just try to shove down anyone's throat and make them gasp and run away screaming these people are taking it balling it right back and throwing it right back at you and it's a great time oh i love it so much i love it when you can cut loose and not worry about offending someone's sensibilities you know there's no pearl clutching it's just a good goddamn time oh man i love it so much anyway i love my friends they're beautiful people how about all of you out there? How you guys doing, dog? How you doing, hun? Thanks for joining live. Cult dad, what up? William, how you doing? Uh, Zachary, thanks for joining live, man. Scott, welcome to the show. Joaquin, how's it going across the pond? Uh, I hope you weren't affected by those massive floods that were happening in that area. Vasuri, what's up? It's been a little bit, I think. Rhino, how you doing? Uh, Grendel, how you doing? <laughs> Uh, Marcy, thanks for joining live, hon. James, what's happening? Tony, what up? Callista, thanks for joining live. And I think, David, how you doing, man? I think that's everyone. Lazarus, what's up? All right, so uh, public mourning never felt quite right to you. You'd rather celebrate their life with others. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is it's a Mormon place. So you can't have like, you know, hey, you could, I guess, but you don't have like flasks of whiskey being passed around or, you know, stuff like that. Um, you've only been around Mormons in their parties, not funerals. Yeah, turns everything into a join us. <laughs> you've been to Roman Catholic, Lutheran, and a variety of Jewish, Jewish funerals, but no Mormon ones as of yet. I imagine they're all pretty much the same. Here's, here's the crazy part. I went to my nephew's funeral, who was Mormon, 
who's actually Mormon, like really, really Mormon. And my family, everyone but me, is very, very Mormon. I mean, very Mormon. So much so that there's a moment after the viewing, before the, the casket is brought out to the front of the, the group of people there, the congregation, as it were, um, where, like, the, I guess it's, it's the survivor's chance to sort of give their final send-off to the individual, but only the religious members are allowed to be there. So my entire family pushes me out, shuts the door, and then does their special Mormon stuff to the dead corpse before bringing it back out and presenting it to the congregation. All the while, I'm standing outside going, what the fuck are they doing in there? <laughs> what, what is so secret that you have to throw out your son, brother, uncle, cousin because he's going to witness this secret magical moment? Like, what, what exactly do you think is going to be... Do you think, like, Jesus is going to appear? And he's just going to, like, disrobe and do, like, a jazz dance or something. He's going to do a little fucking soft, you know, toe-tapping. A little soft shoe. What, what is it? I don't... Like, what... All you're doing is making me kind of bugged by your arrogance that you don't deserve to witness this moment. You know, this, this ritual of Jesus. All right, fuck you. I'll just stand outside and listen to you guys, you know, doing whatever your fucking weird chanting is. <laughs> whatever. But weird. Meanwhile, they open the door. Everyone's just like tears falling down their faces. I'm just standing there as a rock ready for them to lean on and walk them right up there being the dutiful man that I am. So weird, man. <laughs> so weird. Fucking Mormons. Um... All right, so that's all I had for the intro. Let's let's do a little. This is gonna take a little bit, so get your popcorn, get your drinks, because we're gonna talk. Nine cents letters in this devil's advocate. Actually, I have an image for this. I just thought I'd throw something up that's fun for this conversation. Magic. It's just for fun. It's just for fun. All right. You know what? Why, why is my... I feel like I'm off. My camera's off. All right. This is a letter that I received. This individual emailed me saying, may I ask you a question about the Church of Satan? I said... By all means, ask whatever you want to ask, but I may not respond to it, or I may not answer it. But you can ask whatever you want. I don't care. And so they literally, like, immediately after I said, like, sent, hit the send button, they must have had it, like, chambered and ready to go, because it came in flying right after the fact. Um, so here's the thing about asking my opinion. I'm going to give it. I'm going to tell you my thoughts and the truth behind that is you may not like what i have to say it may hurt your feelings it may be something completely different than you expected you just have no idea and so if you're going to ask me my opinion expect honesty 
I have to sort of like soften this because you're going to get it. I'm always going to be honest with whomever asks me a question. I will always do it. And it, it, that means that sometimes there's an edge to it. You know, it can cut. That being said, um, this individual joined the Temple of Set. Um, okay, let me, let me preface this really quick. So they had said that they had always been drawn to Satanism. And then they said they joined the Temple of Set um, many months ago. Under a year, but still. They had anticipated something like Dr. LeVay and Robert Greene and more philosophical psychodrama. But what they actually realized was that these guys understand their study and mythos and holy books as psychodramatic tools for generating temporary beliefs, important in rituals. But they actually believe that there is a real devil. One, if you're really connected to Satanism, why would you join a Setian religion? Two, why would you join a religion that you didn't research and know about? The Temple of Set is very clear that they believe in an anthropomorphic deity. It was, it was founded by the most ridiculous person ever. So of course they're going to really believe in that stuff. What did you think? And then here's the other thing. You join an organization that you think is satan satanic, but really it's set Setian, and then you find out that they actually believe in a real devil. What were you looking to get out of this? I don't understand. Like, were you, were you not expecting to get people's real ideas out of this? Okay, so that, let's put a pin in that, because we're going to dive into that here in just a second. Most of the time, they discuss and speculate and ponder about their imagined realities and impractical matters, completely lost in it, dead serious and stiff, pushing into some collectivist activities, ignoring the enormous cost opportunity of all this nonsense. And he goes in to say that he's always looking for the real function of any of the philosophy or teachings, as opposed to how it looks on paper. In the case of Setianism, it's devitalization and encloses the occult social bubbles. Um... So he's looking for something that recognizes real-world accomplishments, is meant to take the concept of magic and apply it directly into your life, and then celebrate those who apply it effectively. And what he found was that the majority of people who were supposed to be in positions of authority were massively either overweight or dramatically poor, didn't take care of themselves, they uh, didn't actively practice what they preach, apparently because they're not seeing any results from their magical knowledge and, and all of their you know, degrees in the Setian uh, religion. And so he is sort of uh, frustrated that they're not showing him the respect that he believes he deserves because of all the real-world accomplishments that he has realized. Now, I have no reason to disbelieve any of these real-world accomplishments. I'm not going to recite them because they can reveal some personal information about him. But there are many. He, has, uh, he is an accomplished individual if what he says is true. And I have to put that pin in it because... I want to go back to why join the organization in the first place. If you are so wildly successful in your life that you've done so many wonderful things, why are you looking to some sort of occult magical group to validate you? Why don't you already see that validation through the realization of your successes in real life? Like, it, why isn't that enough for you? It's something you got to ask yourself because it goes to the core of what you're looking for when you shoot me this email. And it 
directly influences my answer to you. So you're looking for validation in this occult group due to your real world accomplishments. So you go to the temple of Set, which is focused on just glad handing, uh, echo chamber, uh, magical speak, but no actual results being made by anyone. Even the talent that is heralded as really talented in that little circle, he claims is really just not that talented at all in comparison to outside sources. Now I've spoken to this in the context of Satanists a lot. This, hearing it in the context of Setians, it's kind of like, yeah, no shit. Like you should have, you should have known that before even going in, but you don't do your homework and then, you know, you find out the truth uh, through your course. I get it. Um, he talks about how he is this really effective and powerful magician who can get anything he wants and do anything he wants. Except get the respect and recognition, apparently, that he is trying to achieve. The, the whole complaint about all of this is that he's wildly successful in, in his professional life, he's wildly successful at magic, but the magic group he's a part of doesn't give him that respect. So something's got to give here. A plus B does not equal D. Either you are not as successful as you think you are, or you're not as good a magician as you think you are. Because if you had both of those working in your favor, it doesn't matter what organization you're a part of, people would recognize it. People would nod their cap, tip their head. They would see you as the effective magician and successful individual that you are. If you're not seeing it, then you're not. It's literally that cut and dry. Now there is an opportunity here for um, it to be just this collectivist in crowd so they don't want someone from the outside coming in and demanding anything. But you also have to look at the tenure. He's, he's only been in this group for less than a year and he's expecting everyone to recognize him as if he was the grand poobah. So maybe you're overestimating your own individual worth or you're expecting things to come to you far too quickly in life. It takes time sometimes. More to go. So he wants to ask this question sincerely. Is the Church of Satan somehow different than what he's experienced thus far in the Temple of Set? Or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, he's read the Stance Scriptures. He thought it was great. He also watched all the official COS videos on YouTube. And he's watched my stuff. He thinks it looks and sounds excellent. But what is the interior reality of the COS and its membership? Well, if I was able to give any type of overarching view of the COS's membership, then we would probably be a group like the Temple of Set. And the fact is, no one can give you that because no one outside of the administration themselves have any idea about that type of stuff. See, we don't require, as the Church of Satan, as Satanists that are members of this organization, to bloviate our uh, resumes to everyone else. It is not required. If you want to share something with someone else, that's fine. Do your thing. That's a choice you make. But no one is expected to share anything. So I could not tell you if someone is wildly successful in their prof uh, pers uh, I'm sorry, professional lives or not. I can just tell you my experience. The individual Satanists that I've met, they're doing pretty good. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It doesn't sound like the experience that you've had, but there are certainly Satanists that are similar to what you've explained 
you've witnessed in the Temple of Set. There are Satanists that just don't achieve anything. They don't seem to try to achieve anything. They just sort of sit back and rest on their laurels with their red card saying, hey, I'm a Satanist. This is as good as it gets. Why should I try to do anything else? Are there a lot of them? I don't think so. But I don't really know because I don't have an overarching picture of every Satanist out there. I think the problem that you're seeing is reality as, as uh, personified by human beings. Some human beings will rest on their laurels. Once they get any type of recognition or once they feel like they're part of any type of group or crowd, they feel comfortable and they just rest on their laurels. They don't try because trying hurts feelings. Trying means you fail. And some people can't take failure or hurt feelings. <laughs> They can't deal with it. Now, whether or not that's actually satanic is a completely different conversation. But I have met those Satanists. So, yes, there are some. Now, again, percentage-wise, couldn't say I've only met very few out of the many, many Satanists I've interacted with in my life. So I would hedge a bet saying it's a very low single-digit percentage. However, why does that matter? And this is what should really be the most important part of all of this. Why are you looking for something to join in order to get recognized by other people who are supposedly uh, as successful or powerful as you? What vacuum do you have inside of you that is just not good enough for your own sense of happiness? The Church of Satan is an organization filled with non-joiners. And you seem to be doing everything you can to join any group, regardless of their ideas, in order to feel validated. There is a hole inside of you, and the Church of Satan is not the answer for you. It is not. So, you do what you want, but if you ask me whether you should join the Church of Satan, my answer is hell no. For a couple reasons. Number one, the Church of Satan is not there to make you feel good about your life. Satanism as a religion is about the individual going out and accomplishing their own goals without the need for recognition. If you receive recognition, it feels good, but you don't get any extra powers, you don't get your horns, and you don't get a token gift set pitchfork. I know I've asked for it. I haven't gotten it yet. Maybe I'm the one, only one that didn't get it, but I don't know. Did anyone else out there get the pitchfork? Let me know, please. So, first, you join an organization that believes in a literal devil or bad guy. And then you ask about joining an organization that does not believe in a literal devil or a bad guy. The organization you're a part of is projecting a whole lot of the sensibilities that you're claiming you don't want to be a part of, and then you're asking to join another organization so that they can do the very thing that you're not getting at this other organization. Okay. And then you ask, would it be okay if you were a member of both organizations because you want to stay for another couple months with this other organization? Why the hell? Are you going to stay in an organization that you completely disagree with, that you completely dislike everyone that you've explained to me, everyone that's a member of it, you don't like the inner culture, you don't like the message they're selling, and you don't like how they're playing the game, but you're going to still be a member and you want to jump ship to another organization that has nothing to do with that first organization? No, 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 no
No, you cannot be a member of the Church of Satan if you're a member of the Temple of Set. They do not jive. You might as well be a, a Christian. Like some other Christian has asked, can I be a Christian and a Satanist? No, you cannot. You are not a Satanist. You may like the trappings of Satanism. You may like the trappings of magic, but the version of magic that you're practicing is not Satanic magic. If you see success with your version, by all means, health and wealth to you. Go about your life and realize your successes. But stop trying to find other people to validate those successes for you. That is not what this organization is about. That's not what your organization you're a part of is about. That's not what anyone's life is. And here's something that you should be doing. If you need validation about your real-world success, why aren't you looking to your peers in the industry? Why aren't they giving you the validation? If you're really that good, if you're really that successful, the industry should be recognizing that. And if they're not, then maybe you're not as good as you think you are. And it doesn't matter what religious group you join, you're never going to live up to your own desires if you don't do the work and put in the time. Now, again, your resume is very impressive sounding. And if it's true, and again, I have no reason to think that it's not, you should be seeing recognition from your industry. That should be enough. You should need no other glad-handing. You should need no other congratulatory anything. But you are not, and I want to be clear about this, from what you have sent to me, you are not a Satanist, and you should never attempt to join the Church of Satan. Period. Full stop. There is no devil. There is no God. There is nothing. It's a metaphor. And the more you chase after that idea, thinking that it's satanic, the more confused you're going to be down the road. Period. So, good luck with your life. I appreciate you spending time and giving me a little bit of uh, content for the show. I do really appreciate that. Do not, do not try to join the Church of Satan. It is not going to make you happy, even if you could get in. It is not what you think it is, because you clearly have a different perspective of what these groups, these organizations are there for. Okay. Let's see. And again, I'm not trying to, like, make fun of you or anything like that. I mean, best of luck in the real world to you. Like, I genuinely mean that. I hope you go forward and meet every success and goal that you set in front of you. You know, I have, I have no stake in this game, and I want everyone to realize their full potential if they can do it. That, that's the goal of a Satanist. But we're not here to support you. We're not here for you. We're not here to make you feel good. If you join the organization, the Church of Satan, and in, you know, under a year, you're not getting the recognition that you expect, which you won't, because if you haven't gotten it in your profession and you haven't gotten it in another or religious organization, you're not going to get it here either. This is a mutual admiration society, right? So if people in this organization do something that others find of value and worth, then they will go out of their way to celebrate it. And they will tell them how they feel. And they may even try to promote it themselves because they think it's a value. If they don't like what you are selling, if they don't want, like what you're creating, and there's no obligation to, then they just ignore you. That's it. Period. They ignore you. And that's as it should be. Rise and fall on your own merit. Full stop. 
Okay. Let's see. What are you guys saying? This is why Dr. LeVay ended the grotto system in the first place. Yeah. When you first got with the ex of yours, she tried to talk you into joining Temple of Set together. You laughed. So, and here's the other thing. Like, there was a fear that I was going to, like, stoke some sort of, like, anti-Temple of Set rhetoric. I don't care. It's just not worth my time to care, you know? If you want, if anyone wants to be a part of the Temple of Set, I don't, it doesn't bother me. I don't care. Do your thing. Like, I'm not threatened by any other religious organization, whether it's an Abrahamic religion or a left-hand path religion. I just don't care. I'm focusing on, on me. The only thing that is important to focus on as an actual Satanist, right? So uh, I, I don't, I'm not trying to burn any organization or any group. And I, that one is just not worth my time to make fun of. I mean, I feel like they do a good enough job themselves of, being very clear about who and what they are. They don't need help from me. Um, and then like magical systems, even as a Satanist, you know, you use whatever magical system works for you. And if you're realizing success, then why would you try to look elsewhere? Like that doesn't make sense. You, you only focus on what works for you. You drop all of the nonsense that doesn't work for you. That's what magic is all about, right? Um, but there's no, there's not like any one way to be a Satanist. There's not any one way to, to be a, a powerful, uh, you know, member of the Church of Satan. No, you just do your thing. And if people like what you're doing, then they're going to shake your hand. And if they don't, then they're just going to ignore you. So you're not going to get what you're looking for. I mean, it, it honestly sounds like what you need is some sort of confirmation that what you have accomplished is of value. And that should be done through the market or through your peers in the industry, not through a religious organization. Like, honestly, I agree with you in your supposition of, uh, you know, these sort of individuals that talk a big game, but then they're just financially broke. You know, they say they're the most magical people on the universe, and yet they can't seem to hold a job or they can't seem to take care of themselves, or they're just scraping by. They seem, by all outward signs, to be complete failures as humans. And yet you get in their little magical circle, and they're just like the most powerful and respected people there. Yeah, those things, they're absurd. And from time to time, you're going to run into some people that do that within the COS. Ultimately, they weed themselves out. It's just we don't want to put up with that shit. So, you know, they, they either find their way out or they're shown the door, but they will eventually leave. And there's a long line. There's a long line of examples that you can draw on from people who have left for not getting the respect that they felt like they deserved. And so it's to avoid you being one of them. Don't join. That's my opinion. Uh, I hope that was helpful to you. I do think you need to... You need to do some self-work, like honestly. It shouldn't matter to you what other people think. You shouldn't need their validation. You, you need to work a little bit. Um, yeah, here's your favorite. Why do you care about this at all? Satanism is D.I. fucking why. <laughs> That's right, Callista. Uh, this guy aggravated you, maybe steer clear of the Satanism Reddit. It's <laughs> Oh, really? It's like this? Okay, yeah, definitely stay clear of that. Um, if Satanism doesn't believe in any deity just like atheism, why do they believe in Satan if they don't believe in any kind of deities? That's confusing. Pauline, I suggest you read the fact in the Church of Satan's website, churchofsatan.com, and educate yourself. No one here is a teacher 
and no one here is going to go out of your way because this is a very basic tenet. If you don't understand it, look it up. Do some homework. Um, if you have to question you or if, if you have to question if you are or seek the approval from someone else for who and what you think you are, you're not. You're right, Jameson. You're absolutely right. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Okay, so you guys are all responding to that comment. All right, so that's all I had on this. I hope that's helpful. Again, I, it's probably going to hurt your feelings, or you're probably going to get pissed at me. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to be honest with you. And if you didn't want honesty, you shouldn't ask anyone questions, because you should expect honesty. You may be an amazing human being, but you're definitely not a Satanist. And you, here's the other thing. You may be a Satanist. You just may not realize that what the, 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 the road that you're traveling down is not Satanic. So what I'm seeing is that you're not acting like a Satanist. You may be one. I don't know. Only you would know that. Read the Satanic Bible over and over again if you have to. Read the information on the Church of Satan's website and really process it. Don't bring into it other ideas about what you want it to be, but just take it at face value because it's that simple. It's all face value. Read the Satanic Bible. If you seriously connect with it, then you are a Satanist and you just have to do a little bit of work on yourself. And that's worth it in the long run. So you may end up being an amazingly potent magician and Satanist, but right now, not so much. So find out where you're actually standing in life, find out what you actually want, and then go for it. But it doesn't seem to me right now that this is what it is. Okay, I'm done. Let's do a little Infernal Informant. image up here. Sorry about coughing back there. Swallowed water a little bit weird. Stuck in my throat. <clears throat> Financially hobbled for life, the elite master's degree that don't pay off. This is from Wall Street Journal. Recent film program graduates of Columbia University who took out federal student loans had a median debt of $181,000. Yet, two years after earning their master's degrees, half of the borrowers were making less than $30,000 a year. At New York University, graduates with master's degrees in publishing borrowed a median of 116,000. Uh, 106, yeah, 116,000. And uh, they had an annual median income of 42,000 two years after the program. The data on recent borrowers show uh, at Northwestern University, half of these who earned degrees in speech language pathology borrowed 148,000 or more, and the graduates had a median income of 60,000 two years later. Graduates of the University of Southern California's Marriage and Family Counseling Program borrowed a median of $124,000 and half earned $50,000 or less over the same period. Undergraduates for years have faced ballooning loan balances, but now it's graduate students who are accruing the most onerous debt loads. 
Like undergraduate loans, the federal Grad Plus loan program has no fixed limits on how much grad students can borrow, money that can be used for tuition, fees, and living expenses. It has become the fastest growing federal student loan program and charged interest rates as high as 7.9% in recent years. The no-limit loans make master's degrees a goldmine for universities, which have expanded graduate school offerings since Congress created Grad Plus in 2005. Graduate students are for the first time on track to have borrowed as much as undergraduates in the 2020 to 2021 academic year, federal loan data show. It has become the fastest growing federal student loan program and charged interest rates as high as 7.9% in recent years. The no limit loans make master's degrees a gold. I just read that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, there's always these 2 a.m. panic attacks when you're thinking, how the hell am I ever going to pay this off? Said 29 year old Zach Morrison of New Jersey, who earned a Master of Fine Arts in film in uh, Columbia in 2018 and praised the quality of the program. His graduate school loan balance now stands at nearly $300,000 including accrued interest. He's been earning between 30 and 50,000 a year from working as a Hollywood assistant and such side gigs as commercial video production and photography. $300,000 for a master's degree so that you could then earn up to 50,000 a year. Highly selective universities have benefited from free-flowing federal loan money and with demand for spots far exceeding supply, the schools have been able to raise tuition largely unchecked. The power of legacy branding lets prestigious universities say, in effect, that their degrees are worth whatever they cha uh, charge. Quote, as a poor kid and a high school dropout, there was an attraction to getting an Ivy League master's degree, said Mr. Clement, 41. He graduated in 2020 from Columbia, borrowing more than $360,000 in federal student loans for the degree. He is casting for an independent film, he said. To pay the bills, he teaches film at a community college and runs an antique shop. Columbia grad students who borrowed money typically held loans that exceeded annual earnings two years after graduation in 14 of the school's 32 master's degree programs tracked by the education department, the journal found. In about a dozen Columbia master's programs, the majority of recent graduates weren't repaying the principal of their loans or took forbearance according to the data released for the first time this year. Debt counselors recommended students not borrow more than they will, um, more than they will uh, earn right out of school. Yet at about 38% of the master's programs at top tier private universities in the US failed that test according to the journal's analysis of salary data for graduates from 2015 and 2016 classes, the latest available. At for-profit schools, a common target of regulators for high student debt and poor job prospects, 30% failed to meet the debt counselor's advice. Whether or not students should have better weighted their personal consequences for borrowing heavily to pursue low-paying careers, the burden is far-reaching. After 20 to 25 years on an income-dependent payment plan, the balance of the Grad Plus loans, roughly $11.2 billion issued for the school year that ended in 2020, can be forgiven. Taxpayers will bear any losses. At least 43% of the people who recently took out loans for master's degrees and elite private universities haven't paid down any of their original debt or were behind on payments roughly two years after graduation, the available data show. We were told 
by the establishment our whole lives that this was the way to jump social classes, said an Ivy League um, um, uh, <laughs> student. Instead, he said he feels just uh, such goals as marriage, children, and owning a home are out of reach. During a car ride last year with three friends from his film program, Mr. Black said that they calculated that they collectively owe $1.5 million in loans to the federal government, financially hobbling them for life, he said. And that's the joke. So, is it the federal government's fault for offering these unchecked loan amounts? Is it the school's fault for encouraging students to uh, take increasingly more expensive programs, knowing that they're not going to see any real success on the other side of the program, or at least be able to pay off the loans that they have to take in order to take them because they've hiked up the price so much, or is it up to the students solely? And I think, ultimately, it's a little bit of everyone here. First of all, personal responsibility is number one. You have to know the industry that you're going into, and you have to know the median uh, entry-level salaries, right? So you think, okay, I'm going to have a, a 10-year, 15, 20-year plan on how I'm going to pay back whatever loans that I take out. In order to take this master's degree class, it's going to cost me X. I'm only going to be making Y. So how much do I have to then plan to pay off and how much debt should I actually incur while taking this program and is this program at this university the right choice it doesn't seem like any of these people actually did any of that so you have to blame them but the loans are very available and if if you're chasing a dream, you're never thinking that you're just going to end up on the bottom end of the pay spectrum. You're chasing a dream of success and, you know, wild accolade. So it's worth the gamble for some people to take on that heavy debt, expecting the world to take care of them on the other side of it. I think this is a problem with the way that we framed our civilization, our society. The downside to Western individualism is that there's no sense of reality to it. We have so many examples of these influencers who uh, you're just reality TV stars who just get their 15 minutes of fame and then ride that for the rest of their lives. We have so many examples of those successes that someone who works their ass off to get a master's degree and then goes into the professional field just thinks that, well, they didn't do anything. And they saw massive success, so I must realize that same success after having worked so hard. We tell the biggest lie since I was a child that if you work hard, you will realize the success of that hard work. That is not always the case. A Satanist knows this more than anyone because we utilize lesser magic in order to realize, over to get over those hurdles that everyone else can't seem to get over. At least that's what we should be doing. We're realistically looking at the industries that we're going into. We're realistically examining the consequences for taking out massive amounts of debt. And as a say, I've done, I've done a financial um, um, uh, episodes in Speak of the Devil. I've, I've talked about student loan debt. I've, I've talked about higher education. And I've gone through all of it. So if you haven't seen those episodes, I highly recommend them because they are very valuable. But ultimately... The truth is, 
you don't always need an Ivy League education to make a lot of money in this life. And secondly, this world doesn't owe you anything. So even if you get your master's degree, no one owes you a job. No one owes you a salary. You still have to work for it. And if you're, if you're willing to gamble your entire financial future on a gig that's only paying you 60 grand a year, you're the rube. You're the, the idiot here. You did it to yourself. Now again, we can't take the responsibility off of these institutions, but we do have to realize these institutions for what they are. They're money-making machines. They're corporations, ostensibly. All education is out there to make money. Yeah, we like to think that it's, oh, you know, it's, it's very elite. It's hard to get into some of these schools. You have to have this really, you know, wonderful uh, record of uh, 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 scholarly success. Or you just need the right amount of money or the right amount of no. You have to know the right people. You have to have the right amount of pull. You have to be able to game the system or cheat the system. We've had those college scandals come out and be revealed. So this is nothing new. Everyone's known it from the beginning. So all those honest, hard workers who are going to massive debt, you're doing it to yourself. Schools are there to make money off of you, period. They're not going to hold your hand in your professional life. They're not going to ensure your financial future, no matter what the entrance uh, team told you. They're there to take your money, get your ass in class, and get you out with a diploma. That's all they're there for. And as soon as they've sucked up all the money they can from you, if you can't afford it, then they're going to get all the student loans in front of them because they're going to take that money from the government. It's money. Like, that's what education is. They, they're there to take your money. You do not need to go to an Ivy League school for a master's degree in order to see life success. You don't. And there's too many examples of people who dropped out of college that realized success for you to argue otherwise. Um, I'll have to do that, Zachary. That's a good idea. Okay, so then the government. Let's talk a little bit about the government because this is, um, they're a little responsible here. Not only does the government unchecked allow institutions to take advantage of these uh, limitless loan programs to um, press onto the students, they have massive, like 7% interest is huge. I mean, it's not like a check cashing scam that, you know, those places prey on, uh, on society. But 7% is a lot. If you're paying 7% for any loan, you're getting screwed. You just gotta, you have to plan better. And that's the crazy side of all of this, is that these are industry professionals. You know, they go into this because they want to realize this professional level of success and they think that you have to go through these steps in order to do it. You have to accrue, accrue all of this debt in order to see success down the road. And there's just too many examples of that not working out for anyone. There's too many. And the percentage of people who do, it's only in certain industries. So you've got to know the industry. You've got to do some homework into the industry that you're going into. And then you have to do homework on the actual people that have had success compared to those who have just completed the program. 
And schools have that data that you can get. Um, I, I think it's everyone's fault here. Most importantly, the individuals, but the federal government, there needs to be more regulation when it comes to this. And they need to offer like associate level education for free to all, all citizens. You have an educated populace and you're gonna have a productive populace. You have an ignorant populace and you end up with QAnon. We see what has happened with a society without any concern for academic futures, for academic successes. We have that now. You have to pay for it, even though all of our ancestors didn't have to. But now we do, and it gets more expensive every year. Um, how about we just force education on people, all right? We just uh, offer it, force it on them by offering it for free. You can get your associate's degree for free. How about that? Is that such a bad idea? Any level of higher education can, not necessarily, but it can lead to higher professional success. But it's on you to get the right education, meaning the industry is very dependent on different industries. And maybe higher education just isn't for you. Maybe you don't need to incur all that debt. Maybe just apprentice. Go after a trade job that pays insanely well, <laughs> like crazy well, and there's a huge need for it, and there's no one to fill it. If you're smart, you're going to find a vacuum, and you're going to try to fill that vacuum, and then you get all the business. That's how, <laughs> that's supply and demand. That's how it works, industry included. So do your homework. You don't need higher education in every case. You just don't. And understand that the other side of this, why are you chasing this? You know, what, what is it that you're trying to realize? Is it happiness in life? Is it contentment with where you are in your life? Because happiness and contentment does not equate to dollar signs. It doesn't. And the more people that make you know, six to seven digits can attest to that fact. There have been statistics after statistics proving that the higher, the more you make a year, the less happy you are because the more time you're spending working and not enjoying your life. And conversely, the less money you're making, the less happy you are because you can't enjoy your life. You're just sort of wallowing and, and suffer uh, in, in pain and that anguish because you can't afford the sort of basics and you're always constantly worried and stressed that you're not going to make payments and stuff. But there is a happy medium that you can find and it's called living within your means. You'd be surprised at what you need to make in order to live within your means. You don't incur debt. You don't owe anyone anything. And you get the sense of satisfaction knowing that you are in charge of your own destiny. You're not chasing the dollar but you're also not giving it away. Just managing it. You can do it. Everyone can do it. It's a choice. Okay. Uh, let's do a little uh, Confederate statues. This is fun. It's been a while since we've talked about this. Which is why I wanted to bring it up. Um, statue of Confederate gen uh, general removed from Louisiana City Hall. This is from The Hill. 
A statue of a Confederate general was removed from a city hall in Louisiana, according to multiple reports. Video taken by the Daily Advisor Saturday afternoon showed the statue of General Alfred Mountain, Moton getting hoisted off its base outside the Lafayette City Hall as spectators cheered. Photos of the removal were also shared to Twitter by KATC-TV3. The news outlet said that a flagpole will be put in its place. The removal comes after a decades-long legal dispute over taking it down. The United Daughters of the Confederacy donated the statue to the city in 1922, but officials wanted to move it in 1980. According to The Advocate, the group successfully filed for an injunction to stop the move. The city tried again to remove the mountain statue in 2016, but ultimately did not do so because the United Daughters threatened a lawsuit, the newspaper reported. In 2019, members of MOVE, the mindset filed paperwork to intervene in the dispute, and the city joined the group in 2020, according to the Associated Press. The city reached a settlement with the United Daughters on Friday. Under the agreement, the city would be able to move uh, remove the statue to a location determined by the group, according to local ABC affiliate. The United Daughters have 45 days to tell the city where to move the statue. Otherwise, the city can dispose of it as it chooses. The news outlet reported, The removal of the statue comes amid an ongoing push to remove Confederate monuments. Last Saturday, the city of Charlottesville, Virginia, removed a statue of Robert E. Lee after a two-year legal dispute. The statue that was the site of 2017 Unite the Right rally that resulted in the death of a counter-protester. The House had passed legislation to remove artwork from the Capitol that honors people who defended slavery and served in the Confederacy. I wanted to bring this about because this is the right way to do it. This is exactly how you do it. You go through the system and you work with the system. You don't go out there in a mob and you tear it down yourself. I think this is a brilliant solution to the problem. One, for those who don't want to see pro-slavery fighting heroes, you don't have to anymore. That's fine. They get removed. And the people, or the organization, I'd say, because the people aren't around anymore, but the organization that put that monument there, they get a choice on where they want it moved. Now, of course, it's going to be their own private property, probably, not you know the state or federal property. But that's okay, because it's their statue. Let them put it wherever the hell they want if it's their property. This is like the best win-win solution. Everyone gets what is coming to them. Now, you may not agree with satanic imagery, but I would never try to put satanic imagery in the public sphere. Those who do are fucking idiots. Not everyone should enjoy what I enjoy. That's solipsistic to think that everyone should see what I enjoy. That's stupid. No. Everyone has a right to feel and see and, and do whatever the fuck they want, myself included. And so I keep my satanic imagery in and around my home. I don't try to put it out in the public. Slavery, pro-slavery imagery... I don't care if you want to have that around. If you want to put it in your house or your truck, next to your truck nuts, do whatever the fuck you want. But don't expect the state to do it. Don't expect the state to tolerate it. I love that. That's America. You still get your freedom of uh, voice, your, your freedom of speech to celebrate in whatever you way to celebrate on your own private property. And then on public property, we don't have to listen to your intolerant bigotry by having your statue present. That's the best case scenario, period, full stop, ever. Now, if we could just do that with the Ten Commandments in some places. Mm. 
Um, that's why I wanted to talk about this because it, it's it's a brilliant solution. Just be respectful. You don't have to like it. You don't have to enjoy it. You can you can actively protest it if you want. That's fine too. But let the people that donated it take it back. <laughs> let them do whatever the hell they want with it. And if they don't tell you what to do with it, you can do with it with it whatever you want. You want to destroy it. You want to burn it. You want to throw flip flops at it. I don't give a fuck. Do whatever you want. That's the best case scenario. I love it so much. They're doing it right. I hope they're doing it right. backwards on my camera here. Uh, they're doing it right, and I hope other people follow suit. And for all of you uh, intolerant liberals or centrists who do not want any of these statues around, I hear you. I dig it. But you are not owed anything. No one is going to is has to listen to your opinion. No one has to care about your opinion. And this goes, you know, for the conservatives as well. But the fact is, is we live in a society. <laughs> I keep thinking of the Joker saying that now. Uh, we live in a society. And uh, that means that you're going to face things that you don't agree with. And the state is there to share the public's opinion. The mass, you know, the, the overarching majority of the people believe x and y that is what the government is there to do the state local and federal government is there to support the majority of people that doesn't mean the people in the majority because that fluctuates but that just means the majority of citizens and whether you like it or not our culture has moved past slavery which is it's not an in thing anymore I get back in the day you needed it. You needed it because you didn't want to do the work yourself. It, it made you a lot of money. And actually, if we're going to be 100% honest, it actually made America a viable, powerful uh, uh, country on the world stage. Mm, yeah, it did. <laughs> but we're kind of over it now. You know, it falls out of fashion. And this goes in line with a lot of different things. It used to be okay. To uh, be a bigot uh, to homosexuals or transvestites and transsexuals and, uh, you know, anyone else that used to exist that is now just considered trans. Um, now it's not. So you, you change with the times. That's, that's all anyone can do, right? We're in an area, era that is not pro-slavery. And so we get rid of the pro-slavery monuments. That just makes sense. And if you really love them, then you have every right in your personal and private life to wear them loud and proud or to have them standing on your front porch if you want. I don't care. But yeah, no, we got to move on, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, Daniel, thanks for joining the Ninth Circle. Great to see you, man. Uh, keeping the South got y'all Trump. We take more federal funds. Your MAGA voters keep things running behind from the North. Norm sounds like the jokes on the North. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Why are they enemies of the Republic when all they did was try to leave a union of states they didn't want to be in anymore? Exactly what was keeping the South gained y'all. Well, I'll tell you what it gained us is a future as a union maintaining the union instead of going to, to separate confederacies provided uh, genuine strength to project on the rest of the world and allow us the, the powerful foothold that we have right now. Um, and in the same way that the union was supposedly just trying to separate, uh, which 
I think is total bullshit. Um, they actually just wanted to stay in the union. They wanted to stay with the United States. They just didn't want to capitulate to the Northern sensibility with slavery because it was their entire economy. So it's, it's the same as like Texas threatening to leave the union. They're not going to leave the union. They don't actually really want to leave the union. They just want to threaten it so that everyone stops trying to throw their values onto them. They just don't want other people to project their sensibilities onto them. Um, if the Confederacy actually wanted to leave, they would never have even, um, uh, well, I don't want to go down this road because <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be um, just me sounding ignorant because I haven't done this homework in a long time. <laughs> so rather than look further ignorant than I already have, I'm going to shut up and uh, we'll leave it there. Um, I do like the idea of questioning, though. I, I like the idea of, of questioning whether or not if, if the local state wants to hold on to a, a semblance of heritage, whether they should have the right to do that. Because you then start questioning, well, where's the power with that society? Are we individual townships and city-states? Or are we part of a larger federal union? And when you start thinking in a broad union context, you have to then strip away portions of the smaller local flair in order to be accessible to the larger group, right? And so you have... Um, discrimination being stripped away slowly. You have um, accessibility being offered slowly. Uh, and ultimately, it means inclusiveness and opportunity for the majority rather than power being held on by a minority. And that's what you traditionally have seen in these types of um, small, you know, local controlled states where they don't give everyone freedom and they're you know super restrictive on you know you can you can sit on this part of the bus or you can drink from this fountain or you have to use this door when you enter this restaurant well or you get a you know refuse service to anyone of this ethnicity or gender when you're a part of a larger collective you don't get those rights anymore you don't get the right of being completely bigoted you have if you're going to be a part of a public institution you have to serve the public so it's a difficult balance, I admit. And I think it's interesting to question where those lines should begin and end because it burns no matter what side you're looking at, right? It's going to affect liberals. It's going to affect conservatives across the board in different ways, um, in, both in both positive and negative ways. But that's what society is all about. And that's what America is all about. It's about creating a more perfect union, not that we will ever have a perfect union because whenever an individual is involved there's always going to be conflict especially in a western democracy where we think that we are the most important thing in the world the individual but we still have to try to work together that's the whole point of this whole experiment and that's all it is is an experiment it may fail it may work let's just see what happens um i'm sweating like a dog so let's close this thing out with a little bit of creature feature here oh shit i'm over an hour I got a book club to get to. Let's talk book clubs. Oh, I'm sweating so bad right now. All right, I'm going to cut this short here because I want to. I want to get to my book club meeting. Book clubs—they're good for you because you read. Reading is good. Um, 
So the reason why I love doing a book club, I started a book club last year during the pandemic. It lasted for a few months. I think it was a few months or maybe more. Um, uh, maybe the other people in it can let me know exactly because I don't really recall. And it may still be going right now. I don't know. Um, but I ended up stepping away because I had to do some other stuff and focus on some other aspects of my life. Now I went back with We Are Satanists. And I'm, this is sort of the fifth meeting, I think, of the today is of the book club. And... Um, I love it, and I love it for two primary reasons. It encourages you to keep up with others and continue reading, even when it sometimes it can sort of drag, you know, whatever story you're reading. So it encourages you to continue, um, gives you that extra motivation needed. But then it also provides insight into what you are reading, because let's be honest, we're always bringing baggage with us into whatever we're reading. And it's interesting to hear others' perspectives based on the baggage that they're bringing to it, because it is always going to be slightly different. So that's another reason why I love it. And ultimately, reading is very, very good for you. Research shows that regular reading improves your brain connectivity, improves your vocabulary and comprehension, empowers you to empathize with other people, it aids in stress, uh, sleep readiness, it reduces stress, it lowers blood pressure and heart rate, it fights depression symptoms, it prevents cognitive decline as you age, and it contributes to a longer life. So if you need any other reasons to read, you're just not paying any attention to anything. <laughs> like, this should be enough for you. It is a full stop, good for your health activity. Everyone pick up a book, go read. I'm going to go do it with this book club. Have a fantastic day. Thank you for joining this week's Nine Cents. I, I sort of lost it a little bit when I was trying to talk about the union. Um, I full, fully admit that I, I sort of got into the weeds there. I apologize about that. I will try to uh, stay on target in the future. Have a fantastic week. Until next time, hell Satan, everyone. Have a great day.